All right, well, this morning we are uh, continuing a sermon series on um, time, talent, and treasure, as you see up on the screen, and we're talking about uh, stewarding the resources that God has given us. And so we're asking the question, how do we steward our time, treasure, and talents well? Uh, How do we use them to the glory of God? And uh, Sam began last week uh, kind of just beginning the series and and orienting us to what it might look like for us to do this. And today we're going to talk about time. We're going to ask the question, how do we steward our time well? Or in other words, how how do we redeem the time? How do we use our time wisely? And if you're like me, uh, when you start thinking about time and and redeeming the time, this gets you a little bit anxious. I loved how last week Sam uh, got a little spray bottle and he sprayed the mister and he said, that's your life right there, just going, going away so quickly. You know, our time is a gift, our time is precious, but our time is also incredibly limited. And if you're like me, you start thinking like, man, I have so little time left, I need to get to work. I need to do more. Man, there's so much more I want to accomplish, and I only have so many more, uh, you know, days, hours, and minutes left, and, and, and am I doing enough? Am I really hurrying to get things done? And if you're like me, this, this idea of redeeming the time could make you a little bit anxious. Maybe you're getting anxious even as I'm talking this morning. But today what I want to talk about is, is that the, the best way to redeem our time is not to do more, but to do less. The best way to to redeem the time, make the most of your time, is sort of counterintuitive. It's not to speed up and to hurry, but it is to slow down. The best way to redeem your time is to slow down with your time. There's a great uh, story about um, a guy named uh, John Ortberg, and John Ortberg is one of my favorite teachers. He's like, you know, a best-selling author, you know, he was a, a pastor of a big church in California, and a great teacher, and, and, he, and he tells a story about how in the 90s, he was working for a big church called Willow Creek, and it was, it's kind of one of those big, you know, uh, pr- high-pressure environments, you know, where efficiency is important, and, and just working in this environment, he started to get burned out, and he started to feel uh, like he just wasn't making progress, and, and so he, he calls his mentor um, at the time, who's a, a, a a guy by the name of Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard is a philosopher at USC, and he writes books on spirituality. Just an awesome guy, uh, an amazing thinker. And, and so uh, John calls Dallas Willard and says, Dallas, what do I do? I just feel burnt out, and I feel like I'm just wasting my time, and I'm not really uh, following Jesus the way I want to. What, what do you think I ought to do? He said there was a long pause at the other end of the line. And he said, with Dallas, there's always a long pause. And Dallas Willard then said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. That's the advice. And John Ortberg was like, oh, that's so good. All right. And I quickly wrote it down. And great, great. That's amazing. So much, what good advice. That's awesome. Now, now, what else? There was a long pause at the other end of the line. And Dallas Willard said, there is nothing else. And he said that, Hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life in our day. He says, if you're going to make progress as a disciple of Jesus, you need to learn how to slow down. And I wonder if you're heeding that advice this morning. And you know what's interesting is as I talk to people, as I talk to you guys, what what I notice is that you are busy people. All of us are busy people. You know, after the service, when I say, hey, how's it going? What's going on? How was your week? Most of you say, my week was great, but it was busy. 
And many of us are busy, 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 you know, carting the kids off to soccer practice, you know, going to work early Monday morning, you know, working long hours, uh, you know, busy with family life, just busy with all sorts of things. And what Dallas Willard says is if, if you want to redeem the time, if you want to make the most of your life, you need to learn to slow down. And listen, the culture doesn't help us with this because we live in a very fast-paced culture, don't we? You know, think about our culture. You know, a, a slow is a pejorative, pejorative word today, isn't it? You know, if somebody has a low IQ, we call them slow. If you go to a restaurant and the service was poor, we call it slow, right? If you go to a movie and the movie was boring, we say the movie was slow, you know, nobody, nobody goes to get a new iPhone and says, hey, guess what? It's 10% slower than the last version, right? In our culture, fast is good and slow is bad. And so the culture doesn't help us much with this. It is encouraging us and pressuring us to speed up and to go, go, go. And, and this begins to take its toll on your life. In fact, uh, there, uh, you know, mental health professionals are actually beginning to talk about something called hurry sickness, and maybe you're suffering from this. And uh, if you look in psychology today, uh, hurry sickness is defined this way. See if this resonates at all with you, okay? Hurry sickness is a malaise in which a person feels chronically short of time. Troy this morning, who does the slide, says, Brent, you are talking to me this morning, and maybe I'm talking to you. A malaise which, in which a person feels chronically short of time and so tends to perform every task faster and to get flustered when encountering any kind of delay. And so maybe that's you. You know, your heart is beating faster and you feel like everything you're doing is, is moving so, so fast and, and, and it's beginning to take its toll on your life. Here's some symptoms of hurry sickness. Uh, number one, maybe this resonates at all, okay? Number one, when you're at a red light, you begin counting the cars ahead of you and you get into the, 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 the lane that will help you to, to move faster when the light turns green. Anybody? Here's another one, you're at the grocery store and you begin counting the people ahead of you in line and then you multiply that times the, the amount of items in their cart. And then you get into another lane that's gonna get you to the checkout counter first. And then if you really have it bad, you, begin, you, 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 uh, you, you pay attention to the person that would have been you in the other line. Uh, multitasking tasking is another symptom of hurry sickness where you're doing so much. You know, on your computer, you have four different windows open and you're listening to a podcast and you're reading a book all at the same time. You're multitasking and you forget the thing that you originally sat down to do. Here's another one. All the white space in your life is disappearing. Right, and so even when you're, you know, there are times where you're at home and, and there's nothing else to do, you're doing something in that space, right? So you're, you're looking at your iPhone in the bathroom. Anybody? Right, you're, you're scrolling down your feed as you're making dinner at night. Right, there's the, the white space is disappearing. This is another symptom. And, and the final symptom is irritability, hypersensitivity, and restlessness. So even when you finally do get a chance to rest, you can't slow down. Right, you're always going, you're always tapping your foot, you're always moving, moving, moving. And so uh, maybe it's taking its toll on your psychology, you know, your mental life, but hurry is a form of violence on the soul. Hurry is, is, is bad for your spiritual life. 
And John Ortberg says that for many, the great, the great danger is not that we will renounce our faith, it is that we will become so distracted and rushed and preoccupied that we will settle for a mediocre version of it. We will just skim our lives instead of actually living them. So maybe that describes you this morning. You feel like you're skimming your life instead of actually living it. You know, you're distracted, you're going, 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 and you can't slow down. Right, you can hardly think anymore because there are just so many things going on in your mind at one time. And what, what, I'm gonna, what I wanna argue this morning is that one of the best things you can do to re- redeem the time, to make the most of your time, to steward your time well, is to learn how to slow down. So how do we do that? What might that look like? Well, what I wanna do is I wanna look at the life of Jesus. Uh, I, I wanna look at how Jesus stewarded his time. The thing about Jesus is Jesus had so much to do. Uh, arguably, he had the more to do than anybody else, right? He had to redeem the world, right? He had, he had so much to do, and he was busy. But the thing about Jesus is that he was never in a hurry. Jesus was many times busy, but he was never in a hurry, right? Jesus had, you know, our, our pace of life is so quick, but Jesus lives in an upside-down kingdom. And for Jesus, slow is actually a good thing. Jesus offers us a different pace of life. Somebody once called Jesus the three-mile-an-hour God because that's the average uh, speed of a, of a human being walking, right? When you look at the Gospels, Jesus is always walking. He never runs, Right, he's, he, he was often late, and he never runs, right? Even on the water, Jesus is walking, right? You'd think that he might run on the water at least, but he's, Jesus is walking all the time. Jesus had a slow pace of life. He's the three-mile-an-hour God. And if we're gonna learn how to steward our time well, we need to learn how to match our pace with his. To be a disciple of Jesus is to match our pace with the life of Jesus, to live the unhurried life. So what might that look like? Well, today what I want to do is just simply go through a few places uh, in the life of Jesus and show how he slowed down. All right, so we'll begin in Mark chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, just open up to Mark chapter 1. We're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 1. We'll, we'll begin here in verse um, uh, 35. And Mark chapter one, just to kind of set the context, this is Jesus' first day on the job as the Messiah, and it was an incredibly busy day. Like he's healing, and he's casting out demons, and he's teaching, and he's preaching in different villages, and so frenetic, uh, busy, first day on the job as the Messiah. And he's up late into the night, and he's uh, casting out demons and doing all sorts of things. And then it says in verse 35 what Jesus does the next morning. It says, and rising very early in the morning, While it was still dark, he departed and went to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. And then he said, let us go on to the the next towns that we may preach there also, for this is why I came out. So notice what Jesus does here, right? He, He doesn't get up the next morning and go, go, go like he did the day before. The first thing he does is he stops and he carves out space in his busy, frenetic schedule to pray. Jesus slowed down to pray. And notice he had to resist the pressure to do this, right? We don't know how long he was out there in the desert praying and and spending time with the Father, but we do know that people were looking for him, 
right? Just think if you're a busy mom and, and if you disappeared for even five minutes in the bathroom, the kids, where's mom? And the husband is, where's mom? Where is she? And, and it's hard to get away, but Jesus carved out space and he, he spent time with the father. Uh, Peter's, I almost picture him as Jesus's PR man here. Jesus, where are you? Come on, you're, think, we gotta speed up here. You know, you're busy, but you're getting popular here. You know, Jimmy Kimmel's on the phone. He wants an interview. You know, you're trending all over Twitter. Twitter, there's so many things to do. And Jesus would not allow the pressure to squeeze out his time for prayer. And so that's the first thing we need to learn to do from Jesus is to, is to carve out space in our schedule to pray. Eugene Peterson puts it like this. It takes time to develop a life of prayer. It isn't accomplished on the run. I can't be hurried and pray at the same time. I can be active and pray, I can work and pray, but I cannot hurry and pray. I cannot be inwardly rushed, distracted, or dispersed. And so this is what we learned from Jesus, is that in order to really pray, you've got to slow down. You've got to quiet the noise, not only on your outer environment, but also on your inner environment. You've got to make space in your life. You've got to turn off your devices. You need to quiet the noise in order to cultivate your relationship with God. Jesus slowed down to pray. Are we slowing down to pray? I don't know about you, but for me, when I get busy, you know, usually the first thing I do is when I get in my office is I open up my computer, and usually there's a million things to do. There are emails to check, and there are uh, you know, conversations to have, and there are, you know, uh, sermons to write. There are things to do that are just clamoring for your attention. And again, the culture doesn't make it easy. But learn from Jesus. Carve out space. Quiet the noise. Shut the computer to cultivate your relationship with God. Jesus slowed down to pray. Notice also, uh, Jesus slowed down for rest. So this is Mark uh, chapter 6, verse 33. Mark chapter 6, verse 33. Actually, we'll begin in verse 30. It says, the apostles returned to Jesus, and they told him all that they had done and taught. So let's stop there, get the context. So uh, Jesus, uh, he, you know, he was busy. Uh, he was uh, preaching, teaching, casting out demons, healings, healing. And then he taught his disciples to do what he did. Right, so he's mentoring them and he's discipling them and he's showing them how to live the way that he lives and how to do the things that he does. And so he's taught them and he's mentored them and now he sends them out. And he sends them out and they go out on this mission trip and they, they actually are incredibly successful. They, they cast out demons and they heal and they come back and they're extremely excited. They returned and they told him all that they had done and taught, oh Jesus, you should have seen it. All the things that we did, it was, it was so exciting. Then it says in verse 31, and then he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And so you see that here, the, the disciples are so busy and people are coming and going and, and the people that were clamoring for Jesus' attention are now clamoring for their attention. And they're so busy that they don't even have time to eat. Now, this shows me that what they were doing as they were busy, busy, busy was something that they really enjoyed. Have you ever been so busy, and you're, but you're doing something that you love, 
right? It's, it's a, you're gifted at it. It's, it's your passion. It's, you feel like you're making progress and things are moving forward. That's when you're so busy that you kind of forget to eat. Have you ever done that? You're, you're, doing, you're so engrossed in what you're doing that you forget to stop and, and actually eat food. Some of you are like, no, I always remember to eat. The time when you remember to eat is when you're doing what you hate, Right? Maybe you've had a job where you're, you're, it's this job and it's boring and you can't stand it. You marked your lunch break like to, to the very millisecond. And you're waiting for that break. You can't wait to eat. You're not going to forget it. But when you're engrossed in, in what you're doing and you're excited about it and you're passionate about it, this, this is when you can get so busy that you forget to care for your physical needs. But notice Jesus is so wise here. The disciples were like, yeah, let's keep on going. And Jesus says, no, let's stop and let's go away and rest. Jesus knows what enough is enough. He knows that even though you could put more in the calendar, even though you could do more, that doesn't mean that you should do more. He knows when it's time to stop and rest. Do you know when it's time to stop and rest? And maybe you love what you're doing. And maybe you're passionate about it. But do you know how to listen to your soul and know when it's time to stop what you're doing and rest? Jesus had a rhythm, and his rhythm was one of like frenetic activity and then retreat. He he would go out and he would work and then he would retreat. And his whole, I could show you so many stories where Jesus does this. But do you have this rhythm in your life of work and retreat, or is it just work, 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 go, 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 go? Do you have periods where you stop? You know, your body will tell you when, you when you're tired. You know, your body almost, you know, you get fatigued and you get, you know, irritable or whatever, and you know when it's time to go to bed. But the thing is, your soul doesn't have a gauge on it. And a lot of times you can miss what's going, what your soul is telling you, that it's tired and that it's time to rest. Jesus knew when to stop. And I imagine the disciples were like, but, but Jesus, we love what we're doing. We don't need to rest. And Jesus says, no. I know you could keep on going, but that doesn't mean you should. Let's stop and rest. Let's retreat. And they go to a desolate place, and they spend time together just simply doing nothing. There's a story that uh, Letty Kalman tells. She's a spiritual writer, and she uh, tells a story of a, of, a, of a woman who went to Africa on a, on a, uh, on a sightseeing trip. And she was one of those, you know, type A, you know, business women. And she goes to Africa and she was so pleased to see that the, uh, the caravan, these travelers that she was traveling with from Africa, they, the first day they went miles and miles and miles. They made a, a great headway. They went a great distance. You know, they traveled late into the night. And she's like, oh, good, we're going to get this done. And then the next day they got up and they did nothing. And she was like, wait. We're not moving. What's going on? Come on, we need to get this done. And they said, actually, the first day we went so far that our, we left our souls behind and we need to stop to make time for our soul to catch up with our body. And I love that. You know, are, are you making space? Are you creating space for your soul to catch up with your body? Maybe you could keep on going and you're excited about what you're doing, but do you have the wisdom to know when to stop? Do you have a rhythm in your life of work and rest? You know, the Bible literally has a day, it's called the Sabbath, where Jesus actually commands his people to stop. One day out of seven, stop. And do you have this rhythm in your weekly routine? Do you know when to rest? Do you know when your soul is fatigued? 
Do you know when to recharge? You know, when, I, I love to uh, drive my car until it's on complete empty. I love to see how far I can go without filling up with gas. Anybody else like me? One time, no, I know, some of you aren't, but one time on one of, on my, my first, one of my first dates with Anita, I ran out of gas. There almost wasn't another date after that one. And it's because I, I just love to see how far I can go without filling up again. You should not do this with your soul. Do not let your soul run on empty. Put that rhythm into your life. So Jesus slowed down to rest. I want you to see also that Jesus slowed down for people. This is Mark chapter five, verse 21. And you always see Jesus doing this. Jesus always had time for people. Jesus was often interrupted, right? He was a busy man. He had a lot to do. Like I said, he was redeeming the world, right? But he always made room for people, even when he was interrupted. And this, notice the story. Uh, it, it says in verse 21, and when Jesus had crossed over to, in a boat on the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea, And then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with them. And so this is an emergency situation. Here this man, he's kind of in a panic. His daughter is really ill. And he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, come. My daughter is sick. Can you come and help her? Come on, hurry up. Come quickly. She's really at the point of death here. And the story goes on, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And she had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. And she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt her body that she had been healed of her disease. And Jesus perceived in himself that power had gone out of him and immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? So notice there's a pause in the story. You know, there's this crowd bustling around Jesus and he's in a hurry and he's going to heal this man's daughter and suddenly he stops and he says, who touched me? And his disciples are like, well, Jesus, there's a There's a million people around. What do you mean who touched you? A million people are touching you, but Jesus stops and he looks around. And so uh, let's keep on going. Verse 31, and his disciples said to him, see, the crowd is pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing that he what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And then he looked down at her and he says, daughter, can't you see I'm in a hurry? Can't you see I've got things to do? Don't you, can't you see there's an emergency here? Can't you see that you interrupt me? No, Jesus didn't say that. That's not in the original Greek, I promise. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. So Jesus had time for this woman. Jesus is interrupted by her, and, and we're often interrupted in our lives, you know? You've got things to do, and, and you might find yourself uh, a little irritated by these people in your life that are slowing you down. But notice, Jesus slowed down enough for people. Jesus slowed down enough to love. Uh, John Ortberg says this, love and hurry are fundamentally incompatible. Love always takes time, and time is the one thing that hurried people don't have. So 
He, he says that love and hurry are incompatible. It takes time to love people well, doesn't it? And if you're going, 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 and you're busy, and you have so many things to do, and you're hurried all the time, it's really hard to love the people in your life, isn't it? If you look at Paul's definition of love in the New Testament, the first word that he uses to describe love is patience. Love is patient. And think about your life. Think about the people in your life. You know, how hard is it to love these folks when you're going, going, going all the time? How hard is it to listen to them? You know, listening is in short supply in our world today, and people are not used to being listened to. You know, everybody's kind of conditioned to be going so fast and, and, you know, going at the speed of their iPhone, you know, and busy, busy all the time. And to just stop everything and to shut down your iPhone and actually listen to somebody, that's rare in our world today. Do you do that to people in your life? Do you have enough space in your life to sit down and be present to the people that you love and listen to them? And my wife... Uh, she always gets frustrated at me because I'm always, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to get her to speed up when she talks. You know, I'm always thinking, you know, five paces ahead, and when she's talking, I've got the next thing that I've got to do in my brain. You know, and she's, she's talking, and I've kind of spaced out a little bit, and I'm there kind of thinking about all the things I have to do. I know, you're looking at your husband. <laughs> Suddenly, I come back, and it's like, oh my gosh, what did she talk about for the last minute? It frustrates her, and it frustrates me when... I'm not being listened to. But Jesus always had time to listen. Even when he was interrupted, he always was able to slow himself down to be present with the person that was right in front of him. So many stories about this. The woman at the well, you know, Jesus goes to a well and he's busy and he's on his way somewhere. But when he goes to draw water and he sees her there, he has time to engage her in conversation. If that was me and there was somebody else coming up to the well and I'm coming up to the well and we both had things to do, I, the first thing I would do is go, oh my gosh, there's somebody else here and I would pick, get on my iPhone. But Jesus just sat down and had enough space in his life to engage her in conversation. Anita tells a story about my wife. Anita tells a story about her boss when she worked in the business world. His name was Dan Vedetto. And he was the guy, he was in charge of every, everything. He was a CEO and she said, most of the people in upper management, she said, I was, she was the secretary at this business, and she said, they would rush by me like I was an inanimate object, like I was a potted plant or something. They'd all, nobody had time to engage me. They would rush by me as they walked in the front door. But she said, Dan Vedetta would always stop and take time to ask me about my life. And she said, I, I felt like I was the only person in the room when he was talking to me. And do you have time to, make, to, to listen to people like that? Do you pay attention to people? I don't know about you, but my worst moments as a father, as a husband, as a pastor, even as a human being is, are when I'm in a hurry. Right? When I'm in a hurry, I can ooze anger and irritability. But do we have time to slow down to make time uh, for people in our life, for our kids, our spouses, and Jesus slowed down to pay attention to what really matters. This is the, the, the next thing. So look, let's look at Luke chapter 10. Uh, beginning in verse 38. So this is a story not about how Jesus slowed down, but about uh, how he told somebody else to slow down. Uh, this is Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now when they went on their way, Jesus entered a village 
And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken from her. So notice, this is a time when, when Jesus addresses somebody who's busy and distracted. Here's Martha, suffering from hurry sickness, and she's distracted with her iPhone. No, she's distracting with serving something good. And she's busy, busy, busy about a lot of things. And Jesus says, Martha, you're distracted, and you need to slow down. Look at your sister Mary. She has chosen what is needful. So notice Jesus chides Martha uh, for being too busy here. And it's not that she's busy doing bad things. Like she's doing good things. She's serving. But she's going, going, going. And this busyness is distracting her from what's vital in her life. He says, Mary has chosen what is needful. And so Jesus tells her she needs to slow down to pay attention to what is crucial. And what is crucial at this moment? Well, Jesus says what's crucial is sitting at my feet. Now, you think about this here. You know, Jesus was, he probably had just, you know, days left before he was going to be crucified. And here the Son of God is sitting in her living room. Jesus Christ is sitting in her living room, and Martha is too busy to pay attention to that. She's busy, 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 and Jesus says, hey, there is one thing that is needful. Your busyness is distracting you from that which is crucial. So there are things in life that are important, and there's things in life that are crucial. Right? Work is important. Right? There's a lot of important things. Making money is important. But there, there are things in life that are crucial. Spending time with your children like we said, spending time developing a relationship with God. And are you so distracted with so many things that you're missing that which is absolutely crucial? And so Jesus says, Mary, you've got to slow down to pay attention to what's going on in life. A lot of times we're so busy that we miss, you know, just crucial moments, that we miss what's going on in our hearts. A lot of times busyness can be a distraction and you're distracting yourself from dealing with what's going on inside, right? There's anger and there's, you know, maybe lust or things you've got to deal with in your life, but you're so busy and the busyness is sort of a convenient distraction from dealing with that which is crucial. Or maybe you're so busy and there's so many things you've got to do and God is saying, slow down to fix the cracks in your marriage. Yeah, another day at the office is important, but fixing the cracks in your marriage, I mean, that is absolutely crucial. And if you don't have time to do that, well, Jesus says you're too busy. Jesus says, slow down to pay attention to that which is vital. And so we live in this culture which is so frenetically busy. There are so many things to do. And, and, and you know, fast is always better. Slow is pejorative. But Jesus says, I want you to match your pace to my pace. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to slow down enough to walk with him. Slow down enough for prayer. Slow down enough for people. Slow down enough for rest. Slow down enough to pay attention to what's go really going on. 
So let me apply this. Let me just ask a final question, which is, what do you need to stop doing? You know, a lot of times, you know, the application in a sermon is, go do something. You know, go and and do this, go and do that. But I want to ask you, what do you need to stop doing today? Maybe you need to stop working so much. And I want to be sensitive here because I know that, you know, work is an important thing and, and, and leisure can be a luxury that not all of us have. Some of you may be working two jobs and so I want to be sensitive here, but, but maybe you're working too much. Do you really need to spend another hour at the office? Maybe you need to, not, maybe you need to stop working so much. Maybe you need to put down your iPhone. Right? Maybe, maybe you're somebody and you're scrolling in the bathroom and you're scrolling at the dinner table and you're scrolling all the time. Maybe you need to put up a boundary and know when enough is enough and maybe you need to delete the Facebook app on your phone. Some of you have already done this and I commend you for that. You're, you're doing better than me. Uh, maybe you need to have a fast where you say, you know what, from eight at night to you know, 9.30 in the morning, I'm shutting off the phone. I'm not gonna turn it on. Maybe you need to stop your Netflix watching. Maybe not all of it, but maybe there's like, I know, I know, Tammy. You know, maybe you don't need 15 shows in the queue. Right, maybe instead of watching another show at night, you could sit down with your spouse and have a meaningful conversation. Maybe when you're standing in line, you know, you go to uh, the Pinto or something, or you go to somewhere where you're standing in line, and instead of just getting on your iPhone, maybe like Jesus at the well, you should engage somebody in conversation. You know, way back in the, in the 90s, there was this thing called boredom, where if you were sitting in line, like, you just had to stand there, and there was nothing to occupy your time. Maybe you should turn the clock back a little bit and just resist the temptation to pull the phone out of your pocket. Maybe you need to stop worrying about the future all the time. Some of you are are always, you know, five years ahead. And you're always worried about the future, always concerned about when am I going to get married or when am I going to get that job or when am I going to get that promotion and when is this going to happen? And you're always worried about the future. And maybe you could take a cue from Jesus who said, don't worry about your life. Stop worrying about the future. You can't do anything about your future. You can't add another Span to your lifetime, there's, there's really not much you can do about it. Suvi- sufficient is the day for its own trouble. Maybe you need to stop obsessing about tomorrow. What might it look like you to slow down? Maybe you need to listen intentionally to somebody. Maybe instead of, uh, you know, listening and, you know, looking at your phone at the same time, you need to just say, you know what, I'm going to stop and I'm going to pay attention to this human that's sitting in front of me right now. The question is, what, what do you need to stop doing today? You know, what, what can you afford to stop doing today? Where can you make margin? Where can you make space in your life to slow down and match your pace to the pace of Jesus? Because as Dallas Willard says, hurry is the great enemy of the spiritual life of our day. Corey ten Boom said, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. He'll make you busy. Well, someone says, well, how do I do this? I think one of the things we need to do is is ask the question, why is it that I can't slow down? What a good question that is. Because hurry is always a hard issue. It's not just a calendar issue. It's a hard issue. And a lot of times you need to just stop and say, why is it that I'm so busy? Why is it that I cannot say no? 
You know, what's going on in my heart? And so often it's the, it's the fear that we're going to miss out or fear that, that we're not going to be important or fear that we're not going to accomplish our goals. And one of the best things you can do to slow down is to preach the gospel to yourself. Listen, God, you're already justified. You are already, already made worthy before you put anything on the calendar. Jesus Christ said it is finished on the cross. He accomplished the work for your justification. And so you don't need to do anything else to be worthy. You already are worthy. And that creates an inner rest when you know that. There's a story. I'll be, I'll be done with this. A story, uh, Chariots of Fire. Anybody seen that movie? Um, famous movie, but there's two uh, characters in the movie. One of them is uh, Harold Abrams, and he's this guy. He's 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 you know competing against uh, Eric Little uh, to run the uh, sprinting the the short the short race. What is that called? The sprint, whatever. What is it? Yes. Okay. There's one scene where he's uh, he's. Uh, right before a race, and he's just completely a wreck. He's anxious, and he's, he's just frustrated. And somebody says, it's just a race. And he says, no, you don't understand. He says, I have 10 seconds. When that gun goes off, I have 10 seconds to justify my existence. But will I? And for many of us, you're thinking, I've got 15 more years to become somebody. I've got 12 hours in a day to be, to be an important human. But will I ever be that? Well, Jesus says you already are that. You are already justified. You are already worthy. And he says, believe that. It will create an inner rest which will work its way out into your life. What would it look like if we as a community in our culture were able to slow down and be present? Let's pray that we can do that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much uh, for this, this word that you've given us this morning. We thank you for coming uh, into the world, for uh, providing for us an example of an unhurried life. Lord, you had so much to do, and yet you were never in a hurry. God, you always created margin. You always created space in your life. And Father, I pray that as your disciples, we might follow you into that example. Lord, that you would convince us of the gospel, Lord, that we are already justified, that we are already made right, that there's nothing else that we need to do to be worthy or important. And God, that with that rest, we might be present with others, that we might slow down enough to pray, that we might live the unhurried life. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.